welcome to this Linklaters podcast on payments regulation. In previous episodes, we've talked about rules as they apply to payments firms. But today we're going to switch tack and talk about the regulatory risks for individuals working at those firms. And this is because the FCA has suggested extending its senior managers and certification regime to payments firms. But what is the SMCR and what should you be doing now to prepare for it? To answer those questions, I'm joined by Nick Kiry and one of our payments regulation regulars, Jean Price. Nick, I know that you've advised dozens of clients on the SMCR, but this might be a new concept for many payments firms. What's it all about? Thanks, Simon. So the SMCR was born out of the financial crisis and um, in particular, the view uh, of Parliament and the Treasury Select Committee and and in particular, the Parliamentary Commission on Banking Standards that um, the existing regime at the time, the approved persons regime was not working effectively and that the conduct issues and the risk management issues that had had arisen at institutions that had either failed or come close to failing, that in relation to those, that senior individuals at those institutions had not been held personally accountable for them. And so the idea of the SMCR was uh, threefold. Firstly, to improve and clarify individual accountability within each financial institution. Secondly, to be clear about who is responsible for what amongst the senior manager population. And thirdly, to improve the behaviour of all individuals working in financial services and the culture within firms operating uh, within the industry. And the SMCR, it's been in place for a a few years now, hasn't it, Jean? That's right. Um, Banks and insurers switched from the approved person regime to the senior managers regime back in 2016. Um, Then a few years later, the regime was extended to nearly all other FCA authorised firms, but only those authorised under the Financial Services and Markets Act, FISMA. Payment services activities themselves aren't covered by FISMA, but by separate Treasury legislation, the payment services regulations. So we've seen sort of creep. So while certain bits of the FCA handbook, like the principles for businesses and dispute resolution, for example, do apply to payment institutions and e-money institutions, not much else does. And so they, at the moment, they fall neither into the approved persons regime and they haven't had to apply the senior managers regime either. So. That might at first glance seem a little bit odd, but remember that the decisions around supervision of payment services were made way back in 2007 with the first payment services directive. And it was decided at the time by the FSA, as it then was, that they wouldn't become regulated activities under FISMA. Because I think historically they weren't seen as a a particularly high risk activity from a conduct perspective. So. When the decision was made to extend SMCR to all FISMA regulated firms for probably five or six years ago now, payment services, again, weren't included, possibly because they say they're under separate Treasury regulations, possibly because the market looked very different back then. Um, And also at that stage, we hadn't seen any of the recent failures that we now have that have really raised um, the regulatory concerns, really raised regulatory concerns. Nick, could you talk us through the different aspects of the SMCR? The SMCR is made up of three different elements. So if you imagine your people within the firm as a a pyramid, at the top of the pyramid, so the, the apex, if you like, 
there is effectively a small group of individuals performing what they call senior management functions. Um, and those are typically board and at the most board minus one level of, of the organization. And those individuals are senior managers. They are subject to regulatory pre-approval by the FCA before they can perform their role. And each of those individuals has to have a statement of responsibility setting out what they're accountable for. For the next tier down, you have a larger group of individuals who are carrying out important functions and what the regulator calls functions that could cause significant harm. So significant harm functions, the ones that uh, could cause harm to clients or to the market or to the firm itself. These individuals won't be subject to pre-approval by the regulator, but instead the onus is on the firm to identify exactly who is performing those significant harm roles and to satisfy themselves that each of them is fit and proper to perform those roles, both before they start, so upon hiring or recruitment, um, and at least annually thereafter, with each individual then being issued with a certification confirming that the firm is satisfied that they are fit and proper to perform their role. And because of that annual certification process, that group is known as certified persons. And then lastly, um, there is the, the conduct rules population. So these are effectively almost everybody else within the organization, bar the security guards and the cleaners. Um, everybody would be subject to basic rules of conduct set by the regulators and enforceable by the regulators if there's a failure to comply with them. Um, duties to act with integrity, to act with skill and care, to treat customers fairly, and to be open and cooperative with the regulators. And this is where I suppose we need to start doing some crystal ball gazing, because I know that there are different versions of SMCR for different types of financial institution. And at this stage, we don't know exactly what version payments firms can expect. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the most onerous version of the um, SMCR is the one that applies to bank banking firms. Um, and uh, when the regime got extended to solo regulated FC, FCA solo regulated firms, the FCA introduced three different tiers of, of regime reflecting the fact that it would be disproportionate to apply the bank style regime to every firm that the FCA regulates. And so uh, there is what's known as the core regime, which is essentially the default regime that applies to most FCA firms. Uh, and, um, and I suspect that that is the one that the FCA will be thinking about as its model for payments firms. Um, they could, of course, choose to apply a higher standard to some of the larger e-money firms, um, and they could choose to apply what the what is known as the limited scope regime which applies to you know sole trader ifas and the like currently they could conceivably apply that to some of the smaller payment institutions so it's possible that we'll see some tiering even within the payment sector but if one was to use the core regime as the model the effect of that would be well who would your senior managers be well in that situation it would be the executive directors of the um, of the of the firm, the chair of of the board, the money laundering reporting officer, and the compliance officer. So those would be the senior manager functions, 
and each of them would need to have a statement of responsibilities that sets out exactly what they're responsible for, needs to be kept up to date, needs to be filed with the FCA at the point at which um, the, the, the individuals are approved um, and uh, needs to be refiled if there's any significant change in their responsibilities. And there'd likely be some prescribed responsibilities that would also need to be specifically identified and allocated amongst that senior management population around adherence to the SMCR itself and compliance with financial crime systems and controls requirements, et cetera, that would need to be specifically called out and allocated amongst that group of, of senior managers. So there'd be the statement of responsibilities. And then in addition, each of those senior managers would be subject not only to the conduct rules that I mentioned earlier, the ones that apply to everybody, but also what's known as the senior manager conduct rules, um, which are obligations on the senior managers themselves to essentially take reasonable steps to ensure that the business for which they're responsible is effectively controlled, that they're complying, that it's complying with regulatory requirements, and that um, it uh, that, that each senior manager is supervising and overseeing their delegates appropriately. Um, and, and those senior manager conduct rules would again be enforceable by the FCA in the event that a senior manager was found to have failed to comply with. So senior managers, for example, executive directors, they would need to have a, a statement of responsibilities, as you say, and, and take reasonable steps when they're performing different aspects of their role. Let's turn now to the certification regime. Tell us more about that. Who is likely to be a certified person? So, yeah, that's a really interesting one. Um, as Nick mentioned before, there are these significant harm functions, but the list of functions for investment and FISMA authorised firms doesn't really map that well to payment firms. Um, so my assumption at the moment is that the FCA is going to come up with a, a list tailored for e-money and payment institutions because they run very, very differently. Um, if I was putting my own money on it, I would say that safeguarding is going to be on the list. I think that what that will look at is the um, is focusing on the individual responsible for overseeing compliance with the safeguarding requirements. Um, and, and then the firm, as, as Nick has already alluded to, is it the, is the executive then have to certify that that person is fit and proper to do the job. Um, so what does it actually mean in practice? So, well, first, you need to identify the right people who you need to certify. Then you need to assess their fitness and propriety. And then you need to set up the process for making that assessment every year. So this could be a significant regulatory compliance burden for small um, firms who are working off of small margins. We've, we've talked about senior managers, we've talked about certified persons. Finally, what about the conduct rules? What, what would they mean for payments firms? So I think this is possibly the biggest change um, in, in the payment sector. So from a practical perspective, there are there are two two big things you need to do. So firstly, you've got to well, you've got to set set your um behavior standards and train your staff on what those are, what the rules are, what it means for them in their specific role, roles. 
um, and make sure it's embedded. You know, one 30 minute talk on your first day in the office isn't going to cut the mustard. Um, but secondly, you're going to have to set up a process for um, reporting conduct rule breaches to the FCA. So it's a real name and shame. So it's going to be quite a different landscape, I think, for people who've work who are in this space because it's still an entrepreneurial um, sector. I think where for many players, regulation is um, a necessary evil rather than a, than a sort of central cultural. Um, pillar at the moment. I'm sure that payments firms will have a long list of questions about how the SNCR could apply to them in practice. For example, what's the territorial scope of the regime? What happens if some of these individuals are based outside the UK? I guess there's a couple of points here. Firstly, um, uh, we don't know for certain because it depends on how the Treasury and the FCA ultimately decide to draw the SMCR as it will apply to payments firms. But looking at um, the way in which uh, they've applied it to um, uh, FCA uh, authorised firms currently, um, a couple of couple of observations that arise here. Firstly, bear in mind that the regime operates on a legal entity basis. So it will be the UK uh, payments e-money firms that, that, that to which this applies. So if you're operating through different legal entity structures in other jurisdictions, it's less likely that those individuals will need to be caught by the regime. However, if there are individuals in um, group roles uh, or in senior management positions who are based abroad, but are effectively acting for and on behalf of the UK entities, then those individuals may well end up needing to be captured. And the mere fact that an individual in a senior manager role is abroad doesn't stop them becoming subject to uh, the senior manager's regime and needing to be registered as a senior manager. And there are plenty of examples of overseas-based individuals that have had to be caught by, uh, by the SMCR previously. And secondly, in relation to certification, um, uh, the approach historically that the FCA has taken is has been to say that for most certification functions, um, individuals based abroad can be caught, but generally only where the role that they're performing is one that would involve them dealing with or for the property of um, UK clients. Uh, and that may be a clue as to how they'll apply certification um, uh, in the payments context as well. And what then about outsourced functions? So some firms might have a fairly skeletal staff and then rely quite heavily on third party providers. Yeah. I mean, as you uh, know better than I do, Simon and Jean, the uh, outsourcing has been a topic of significant interest in the payments world, leaving SMCR to, to one side. And the starting point that the regulators um, have, of course, is that um, uh, you can outsource the responsibility for um, the performance of those uh, activities, but the firm remains accountable for the delivery of them and for the effective oversight of those outsourced activities. And so thinking about what that means in the SMCR context, well, firm-wide, there will need to be appropriate governance and oversight of outsourced activities, but this will become 
sharper uh, uh, in focus because individual senior managers will need to demonstrate that they too have, in order to fulfill their personal accountabilities, got appropriate processes, uh, oversight mechanisms, management information reporting in place to demonstrate how the outsourced activities that are relevant to their particular business area or function are being overseen by them. And what does moving into the SMCR look like for senior managers? For example, would existing directors need to be interviewed by the FCA? Yeah, so under the regime for existing firms that was subject to the old approved persons regime, there was um, a, a transitional um, uh, process whereby um, uh, individuals who were already in the right relevant approved persons function were able to just map over um, into the relevant SM function without needing to be re-approved. We're in slightly uncharted territory here because there isn't an approved persons regime for payments firms. Um, and so there isn't a function to transition over from. Uh, but having said all of that, um, I, I suspect that there will be some transitional measures in place uh, because uh, I can't see the FCA having the resources to individually approve every single senior manager for every single payment firm uh, within a sensible timeline. Um, but it's possible that they may focus on the larger firms um, uh, and, it, and with others essentially saying that the requirement to obtain approval only applies in relation to individuals who are appointed into a role after implementation day. We know that the FCA has suggested extending the SMCR to payments firms, but we also know it's not going to happen overnight because legislation will be needed uh, to, to make that uh, effective. So a final word from each of you, what do you think firms should be doing at this stage to prepare? So as Nick says, I think this is going to be a big leap for, for payments firms because you're not moving from one accountability regime to another. This is wholly new. That's not to say the FCA does not scrutinise the the executive when it is looking at authorisations. It certainly does. And we're seeing more and more scrutiny being um put led onto that now. And also it expects firms to um, tell it when there is a change in, in the executive. So there is that sort of ongoing monitoring, but there again, there will be firms that got authorized back in 2009 who you know, haven't had any changes. So they won't have been through these, this sort of new levels of scrutiny we're saying. So what I would say is, well, in part, as part of your sort of compliance monitoring and your auditing plan, you might want to start having a look, proper look now at your governance processes. You know, who does what, who's responsible for what, what are the, the weaknesses, you know, where, where, if you were going to challenge it yourself, where would you be able to pick holes in it and, and remedy them? Just deal with it as part of just good management as you go through. As you say, this is a couple of years off. Um, but as I appreciate much more as I get older, that really, really isn't very long at all. And for me, I, I think I'd say that the big risk here is firms that, uh, as Jean says, haven't really had the um, need or uh, time to apply their minds 
to really articulating with clarity who exactly is responsible for what within their organisations, how the various legal entity structures fit together, um, how the governance structures fit together, uh, and how responsibilities have been allocated in practice. SMCR has focused people's minds on whether what they um, think they're accountable for uh, is uh, um, accurately reflected in the documentation and importantly in the processes and records and evidence that they retain to demonstrate if a regulator were to come knocking at some later point in time how they have in fact fulfilled their responsibilities and so um, the appropriateness of delegations, the uh, nature of management information and reporting, the size, composition of and uh, operation of boards and committees, etc. All of that has come into quite sharp focus as a result of SMCR with firms making changes to the way in which they operate or the way in which they retain and uh, produce uh, documentation to help protect, frankly, the senior managers from the risk of being criticised after the event for, for having failed to take reasonable steps, particularly given that risk of personal liability, fines, prohibitions um, in the event that the regulator were to take enforcement action. So um, it's a big lift, uh, I, I suspect, and um, but very, very much a topic that is front and centre of the SCA's uh, sort of culture conduct focus at the moment. Thank you, Nick and Jean. If you would like to get in touch with us, please do so. You can tweet at Linklaters Tech or email fintech.podcasts at linklaters.com. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.